Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich or Miss, episode 215. Hey, my riches, I'm Hayut, and this is a new Monday and a great opportunity to be here together again. My guest this week, David Wax, wanted to send handwritten notes to his employees and customers when he sold his first company. So he invented handwritten.com. When I asked David what is his one key success factor, he immediately said, stick with it. Things, he said, take time, and you have to have the confidence in yourself to stick with it. And it's a good opportunity to repeat the advice of some of my most successful interviewees. Only those who quit fail. I loved this interview with David Wax, and I believe you would love it too. There is a lot to learn from David's story. Enjoy. David Wax's latest venture, Handwritten, provides scalable robotic solutions that write your notes in pen. Used by businesses in all industries, Handwritten changes the way brands and people connect. Prior to Handwritten, David founded Sellit, a leading mobile marketing platform. With clients including Abercrombie and Fitch, Walmart and more, Sellit was sold in January 2012. David is a speaker on marketing technology, has been featured in the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, and is a contributor to Inc. Magazine. Let's hear his story. David Wax, what a pleasure to have you here with me. Hi. Hi. It's so nice to be here, Hyatt. I really appreciate your time and interest. Yes, and I'm so happy you are here as well. I just shared with our listeners what you have done until now, and I would like you to tell us what are you doing and most passionate about today, and where are you heading? Yeah, so my new company, Handwritten, it's not so new at this point. We've been around for seven years. Our goal is to, to reignite the lost art of handwritten communication. So, and specifically communication from business to business or business to consumer. Um, the, the thought is, in this day and age of electronic communication, whether that's email or text or Slack, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all these other forms of electronic communication or old-fashioned junk mail, you know, pre-printed stuff that gets thrown directly in the trash bin. What really stands out nowadays is when somebody takes the time and effort to send you a handwritten note. And people don't do that anymore. So about seven years ago, we started this company with the idea of making sending handwritten notes as easy as sending emails, were easier. Uh, And it's truly a platform for sending handwritten notes. The way we do this is we we involve a lot of technology. On the front end, we have a website, an iPhone app, an Android app. 
plugins for major systems called like Zapier and APIs, stuff like that, that allow people to get their notes to us very quickly uh, in electronic form. And then on the other side of the technology, we have robots that we build here in our facility in Arizona um, that hold real pens and write these notes out at scale. Currently, we have 115 robots. These are custom-built robots. We designed them ourselves. I actually programmed them. And the robots can write out about 750 notes a day each. So, you know, we can do about, um, I mean, on a typical day, we do five to 10,000 card and envelope pairs. So that's um, that's handwritten. We also then, you know, write the envelope out in handwritten uh, text, and then we stick a real stamp on it. So the whole thing is authentic looking. And the results, I'd, I'd be more than happy to get into the results uh, because they really are pretty remarkable, the, the types of results our clients are seeing. It's really interesting because, you know, handwriting is passing from the world, isn't it? Yeah, and that's what makes it, well, there's a lot of things passing. Um, handwriting is absolutely one of them. And number two is time and attention and thankfulness. <laughs> You know, so when you combine all of them and you send somebody a handwritten thank you note, you know, as a gesture of thanks, it really stands out because people don't send handwritten notes for a lot of reasons. Number one, it takes too much time and people are so short on time. You know, before getting on this podcast, I had to shut down all the different things that are beeping and, and, and right. making noise so that I could focus with you here. Um, so people don't have that time and they don't have that attention. They also just don't have that much focus on anybody in particular anymore. You know, they're thinking about groups and segments and subsegments and scale um, scale and all that. And, and they're not thinking about a consumer or a person. So this really stands out because it is so personable and it's perceived to be unscalable, meaning that um, typically you can't automate handwritten notes. They're so personal. And our notes look totally real. So it's the case there. So yeah, so people don't have the, um, they're not sending handwritten notes and they're not getting them. In fact, the average consumer only gets about one to two handwritten notes a month in the United States Mm -hmm. versus the piles of junk mail and bills and everything else they get in their mailbox. And they get on average about 150 emails um, per day, the average office worker gets about 150 emails. They spend about 24% of their time just managing their emails. So email no longer has that impact that it used to have. Now it's just a chore. People have to sit there going through their email inbox quickly, deleting notes as quick or deleting emails as quickly as possible just so they don't stack up. So even the most customized, personalized email is probably overlooked. And if it is read, people are going to discount it because they know that personalized email was probably automated. So um, that's why we're really seeing a lot of benefit here. When people receive our notes, not only do they read them, but they keep them. Um, For instance, we have a small business using us. They're a piano tuner, and they're in your house once a year to tune your piano. And then... um, after tuning your piano, they automatically send a handwritten note thanking for the opportunity. A year later, when they return to your house to tune your piano again, they see that note still sitting on the piano. Hmm. You know, what What other form of communication is going to do that? You're not going to print out an email and save it. You're certainly not going to print out a text message. In my right. prior life, I used to send a lot of text messages, millions. 
um, but uh, handwritten notes have a very personal impact that's unmatched compared to anything else out there. And it does break through, it gets read, it gets noticed, and it gets saved. I mean, we have the same impact with um, coupons, where when we send out coupon codes for brands, you know, written in a handwritten note or included with a handwritten note, those coupons have three to five times the impact or the redemption rate that they would um, if they didn't have a handwritten note attached. So we're seeing impact there. You know, response rates to offers coming into stores. Um, we have one brand that sees a 20 time greater response when wow. they send out a handwritten note versus a printed note. So um, we truly believe there is um, a huge opportunity for brands to send out handwritten notes to their customers. You're talking actually about sending mail to the yes. mailbox. And Correct. the mail services are not so efficient anymore. <laughs> no, they're not. I mean, it takes three to five business days to send a note in the United States. Um, so if I send a note from Phoenix, where we're located, to New York, it's going to take five business days. Um, sometimes when we send out notes to California, which is just the next state over, um, they receive them the next day. Now, so that's one impact. One, one uh, concern is delay. Um, the other is, are they going to check their mailbox? You know, do, do people go to the mailbox every day or do they now wait several days before going to the mailbox? Uh, I'm guilty of waiting several days before going to the mailbox. So there is that delay too. So this is not certainly the fastest form of communication. You know, it's called snail mail for a reason. It's about as fast <laughs> as a snail. Sure. But, it, but, you know, it's, so, so it's not made to replace other forms of communication. It's meant to, or your marketing uh, communication um, plan. It's really meant to augment it. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, add to your existing plan and find touch points that make sense to send handwritten notes. Got it. And David, tell me a bit about your career. How did you start? When did you start? And how did you come until today? Yeah, so uh, I grew up very middle class in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, and always, even from the youngest days, I, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I would go door to door selling items out of the back of my brother's uh, red wagon um, and, you know, just try to make a buck that way. When I went off to university, I specifically I took a double major in business and engineering and I chose computer science engineering. Um, yes, I have an interest in computers and programming and all that, but I figured starting a software company would be easier than starting a factory. You know, there's less <laughs> capital expenditure. So that's one of the that's reasons right. I did that. Um, I was in this program at the University of Pennsylvania that uh, called the Management Technology Program, where I got a degree in engineering and a degree in business from Wharton. And then I went on and I worked in consulting for a few years, for better or worse. I graduated college um, in 2000, which was just at the height of the dot-com bubble. That's right. If you remember, it was a long time ago. Um, and I went to work for a consulting firm that was helping large companies start dot-coms inside of them. I thought, what better way to learn the ropes than help dot-com, you know, birth dot-coms for large companies? Turned out not to be the case. Um, it was just standard <laughs> management consulting, but it was a good experience nonetheless. And, and it, they worked me to the bone, so it was good from a work ethic perspective. 
Um, I then wanted to get into venture capital. I um, worked in uh, equity analysis for a large investment bank, Credit Suisse, First Boston, and then moved over to a venture capital firm in San Diego, where I was abruptly fired without cause. (laughs) And um, the, the... the venture capital firm, the, the guy that ran it was kind of crazy. Um, I spent a lot of time doing strange tasks like moving truck tires and all sorts of crazy stuff that had nothing to do with venture capital. And I got fired. And the problem was my college was very expensive. And I had used all my income, and I had been paid pretty well up to then. I was still young. But I had used all my income to pay down my, my, my student debt. So when I moved out to San Diego to work at this venture capital firm, I had no savings left. I I was relatively debt-free, but I had no savings. So when I got fired, I moved home. Uh, My family had relocated. My parents had moved to Arizona. So I I moved home to Arizona, kind of with my head between my legs, and I didn't know what to do next. Um, It really kind of threw me for a loop. And what I did was I started a text messaging company called sell it. This was back in 2004. And back then we didn't have the iPhone or um, anything like that. And when you drive by a house that was for sale, you'd want to collect information on the house, get, you know, the price and all that. But oftentimes there was no way to know information about that house. Sometimes those real estate signs had a hanging box that had some flyers in it where you could get information on the house out of the box, but most of the time that box was empty. So I uh, started this company called Sell It, and our first product was called House for Sell. And, and what we did was we allowed you to text in, use your phone to send a text message to get information on that house. I quickly pivoted away from realtors to more large brands, and be, within a few years we were sending millions of text messages Oh. For brands like Abercrombie & Fitch, which is a large clothing brand, sure. um, Toys R Us, Walmart, some very, very large brands. And then um, I ended up selling that company in 2012, worked for the new owners for two years. And then pretty much right after that, I started handwritten. Because what I realized when I sold that company, I wanted to send handwritten notes to all my employees and my customers, thanking them for staying with me during this journey of building up and selling, sell it. And I sat down to write handwritten notes to everybody, and I got through maybe five or six of them, and my hand got tired, or I ran out of stamps, or I screwed them up. You know, there were just a million reasons I didn't get through the list. Hmm. Um, So I thought there has to be a better way, and that's where the idea for handwritten came from. Wow. You're an entrepreneur, and I want to ask you, what would be your best advice to any entrepreneur that's listening to us right now? Always get in over your head. Um, When I was in college, there's a television personality here in the States, Conan O'Brien. Sure. And uh, he actually visited, he did a special in Israel. Right. uh, A few months ago. Yeah. yeah. When I was in college, I was on the uh, speaker committee that brought speakers to campus and we brought Conan O'Brien to campus and because I was on the speaking committee I had the opportunity to eat dinner with him with a small group of students and in that small group he said you know this is the first time he was very young back then this was kind of when he started his career maybe 10 years in 
um, or less, five years in. And he, it was the first time he'd ever spoken to students, and he, he was very thoughtful. And he said, I don't know what advice to give you other than always get in over your head. And I've gotten a lot of advice over the years, but that advice has really stuck with me. Um, because if you don't get in over your head, you can't grow. You have to extend yourself. You have to try reaching outside of your comfort zone to do things that you wouldn't otherwise do. You know, when you start in a, a business as an entrepreneur, nobody's typically, nobody's going to throw a lot of money at you. Yes, there's venture capital and all that, but that's really the, uh, the fringe case. And also that happens typically a few years in. For the first few years, at the very least, it's hard and times are tough when you start a company, but you have to get in over your head and stick with it. So th that's kind of, you know, I've, I met him over 20 years ago. So that's really advice that's kind of stuck with me over all this time. And it works. It's worked for me. <laughs> I don't know. Fair I don't enough. know if it works for everybody. But I think you have to. I think you have to extend yourself in, into an uncomfortable position to grow. Love it. David, you've got successes and we started to talk about it and we'll talk about it in a minute again. But I want to ask you, what is your biggest, most critical failure with customers? The one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most or almost the most? Yeah, um, I actually wrote about this in Medium. Hmm. There's an article called The Enlightenment from Screwing Up or something like that. But um, but basically, there's been several. I mean, every business has failures. Sure. And my old company, Sell It, we would do these text messaging campaigns where people would have print out signage that said text you know, spa to one, two, three, four to, um, to get deals on this spa or this massage or whatever that is. And we had a large chain of spas nationwide in the United States and wow. account manager who was in charge of that told the spas the wrong information to print on the signs. Oh. And this set, you know, so then they spent all this money to get all these signs. They put the signs up. Nothing happened, you know, it, nobody could text in, et cetera. So when I found out about it, what we did was I, we immediately apologized. We, you know, we printed up new signs. And then I had each team member from my team fly around the United States to each of those locations, deliver the signs in person, along with a gift basket, well, uh, make, you know, apologizing for that. So That was probably one of the biggest failures of um, my last company. Uh, <laughs> there was another example very early on in sell. I, luckily, I can't think of any examples as big with handwritten. But very early on with Sell It, we were working with the circus. And yeah. you, uh, the circus, which is no longer around, I don't believe, was owned. It was Ringling Brothers Circus. It was a very popular, famous circus in the United States. And the circus was owned by the same company that also owned Disney on Ice, which is a big show where you have dancing on, on you know, uh, on ice and, and stuff like that. And we did a promotion where when you're at the circus, you could text in and then one winner would be picked to get free tickets of, of four tickets to go see Disney on Ice. Well, one night 
you know, the company was very, very small. It was just me and, and like two, maybe two people. And I set up the campaign wrong for that evening's show. And instead of sending one person tickets <laughs> to uh, the Ice Capades or the Disney on Ice, I sent everybody in the audience that texted oh. in <laughs> tickets to the Ice. So first of all, the ticket booth was overwhelmed because everybody ran to the ticket office saying they had won tickets for Disney on Ice, which they did. But they called me and they said, you know, the, the circus lady was very, very nice. She called me. She said, something's going on. Everybody's getting tickets. I said, well, give everybody tickets and I'll pay for them. So we ended up paying for hundreds of tickets to Disney on Ice. Wow. But it was funny because I ran out the door that night. The reason I screwed it up is I was running out the door. I was on my way to a date. And I wasn't thinking. And I got to the date. And um, by the time I got to the date with this new young lady, the issue had already happened and all that. And I told her about it. And she said it with a smile on her face, that's fantastic. You just made all these people's days. They all get Disney on Ice tickets. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's a way to look at it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what happened. That's uh, That was another big, big failure uh, of my company. But I think... What is very clear with your failures that you have a very unique way of um, fixing it. You are taking the responsibility. I think it's so important. And it's amazing to me, especially with millennials, and I've seen it in some of my vendors, that not only do they not admit fault when they've clearly done something wrong, and it's okay To admit fault, uh, my house was just flooded because a plumber screwed up and they came in and they admitted fault. And that Im immediately dis diffuses the situation. But if you don't admit fault, saying, gee, I'm so sorry we screwed up, that's really bad. And it's even worse if you push the blame on somebody else. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, it, worst case is you push it back to the customer or something to like customer. that. Yeah. So I think it's really kind of an old, old way of thinking to... Pony up, admit fault right away, and, and know when you screw up, and then work to repair it. And it builds customers for life. In fact, getting back, to my, uh, getting back to my current company, Handwritten, we have a customer. They are a snack box subscription for offices. So we actually use them here. What you can do is you can sign up, and then on a monthly basis, or actually every few weeks, they send you a box of snacks for your team. And... What, what has happened is sometimes they'll screw up, whether they don't send you the box of snacks or they send you the wrong box of snacks or whatever, they've screwed up. And, and when they screw up, they send another box of snacks and other stuff, you know, whatever, uh, toys or whatever for the office and snacks. And then they also send a handwritten note. Beautiful. Apologizing. And what they find when they send that handwritten note and that additional box, those customers end up being having a longer or a larger lifetime value than customers or that you haven't screwed up with. So Beautiful. then what do they do? They screw up on purpose to send the handwritten note and create that good user experience to raise the lifetime value of all their customers. And they're actually doing that. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. an interesting story. And yeah. now I would like you to tell us the story of your greatest, most significant success As a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about approaching your customers? Yes. So there's a few. The biggest customer success 
perhaps I've ever had goes back to the last company of Sell It, which was when we were a very, it was just me, the company at that point, you know, I had just been fired from the old venture capital firm. I had moved back to Arizona. It was just me. And I was trying to um, start House for Sell, that real estate product. And I was also starting the other texting for brands and stuff like that, a service called Coupons App at the time. And I was approached by Marie Claire magazine, which is a very large magazine in the United States and around the world. And they said what they wanted was um, for people to text in to the magazine to see like products of makeup and uh, shoes and stuff like that, text in and get more information back on that product. And I said, you know, I didn't tell them this, but I said, well, we have a product just perfect for this. Yeah, that where you text and you get photos back of the product, and then you can capture that lead. And the reason I, I didn't tell them the product was actually house for sale. It was the exact same product we were using for real estate. And we pivoted house for sale for a much larger clients like like Marie Claire magazine and French magazine and some other magazines in the United States. And so that was a huge customer success because out of the box, we had a solution that worked perfectly well for them. And they ran multiple very expensive campaigns with us, which allowed us to grow our business where I could bring on staff and move back to Chicago to my girlfriend at the time and stuff like that. So that was a very early success with us. At Handwritten, we have a client that's a uh, meal, uh, sorry, a mattress company. So yeah. they do those foam mattresses that are shipped to you in the box and you open up the box, the mattress expands. I don't know if you have those in, in Israel, but it's kind of a new type of mattress, these uh, Tempur-Pedic style mattresses. And what they wanted to do was include in those boxes um, a handwritten note, but they wouldn't be able to make it personal because they don't have any of the personal information. They, they wouldn't have your sure. name. So what we did was we allowed that brand to come up with a number of doodles um, like a picture, a drawing of somebody sleeping in a bed, dreaming of cats. Another doodle had uh, the sun and the, or sorry, the moon and the stars, all these different little images and then notes attached to it. Like, we hope you enjoy your first night sleeping on this mattress with a picture of somebody sleeping in a bed. So these notes were very cute and unique. Hmm. And not only, you know, and if you bought two mattresses, if you're refurnishing a house or something like that, you get two different doodles. So it really creates a nice uh, moment of delight and surprise. And not only do the customers love those doodles, they'd start posting those images to Instagram and Twitter, and it creates a viral effect. So um, that was a really good success with uh, a client at Handwritten. Love it. David, can you recommend the best or most effective technological or digital tool that's related to customer focus, marketing, or sales. However, I'm not looking for the last shiniest tool in the endless list. I'm looking for something that really works for you and can help other entrepreneurs as well. Well, obviously our service, Handwritten, I, you know, I don't want to push that too much, but Handwritten works very well. And then what we use a lot, our business is completely uh, built on it here, is something called Zapier. Are you familiar with sure. are you familiar with that? Yeah. So we use Zapier and we use Integramat, which is a similar tool or slightly similar tool. But um, these tools 
allow us to automate things that are otherwise unautomatable. So for instance, on our website we have, uh, well I guess they are automatable otherwise, but it's more expensive else, uh, otherwise. So we have a, a form on our website where you can request samples of our handwriting. When you fill out that form, Zapier picks up that information and creates a lead in Pipedrive, which is our CRM system. We then do uh, well. custom, yeah. We then wrote custom software to automate assigning that lead to a, a salesperson. Um, it then posts a message to our Teams channel. We post the um, notification to Teams. That's done over Microsoft Teams. That's done over Zapier. We then automate a email campaign from the sales rep to the person that requested sa samples. That's in Persist IQ, which is another email automation platform. And then finally, we send out the handwritten notes through handwritten. So the whole thing is automated using Zapier. Um, in fact, Zapier is actually looking at us to do a video profile of because we use Zapier so much, they think it's interesting. They reached mm -hmm. out to us last week. Um, so yeah, we, we, we do all that. Um, uh, Zapier has really been a game changer for us. We use it throughout the organization, but all those other tools, Persist IQ, Pipedrive, you know, those are all other tools that we use as well. Hmm, that's great. And Zapier is really a great tool. And we'll put the link to Zapier in the show notes of this interview. Um, you know, there are many factors that affect one's success, but I do believe that for each of us, there is one factor that really works for us and helps us succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? I think it's sticking to it. Um, you know, businesses are not built overnight. Uh, at a minimum, it's two years. In the case of handwritten, it was more like six or seven. Things take time and you have to have the confidence in yourself to stick with it. Mm. You know, that's really, honestly, that's it. It's grit. I love this uh, key success factor. I think stick to it is an excellent advice to so many entrepreneurs. But sometimes they need to know to uh, to let go as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, you got to throw in the towel. I I totally agree. My final question, before I ask you what is the best way to connect with you, my final question is my mountain question. And as our listeners already know, I've been imagining this journey of entrepreneurship is climbing a mountain, step after step after step. And then when you reach the peak, you always look into a higher peak to climb. And sometimes you need to go down. And at some point, I started to ask my guests, and that's what I'm asking you, whether you ever climbed a mountain or wished to climb a mountain, or do you have any relationships with mountains at all? Well, I'm fortunate to live, I mean, in Arizona has pros and cons, but I'm fortunate to look out my window and see Camelback Mountain here, which is a, hmm. which is a nice mountain to climb on a... Uh, on a weekend, particularly in the winter before it gets too hot here. Um, and it's very popular with people to climb that. And I've climbed it many, many times and it's got beautiful sunrises and sunsets. Israel, I've climbed Masada and seen the sunrise there. And that was, you know, that was 20 some odd years ago. And I, I still remember that. So it clearly makes an impact. But for my business, 
the biggest mountain I've climbed with handwritten has was really building our own custom robot. Um, I have a software background. I'm not a hardware guy. And about three years into the business, I realized the only way I was going to be able to make this company work would be to get off our existing robot platform, which were not realistic looking and had a lot of problems, a lot of management problems, and build our own better robot. And I knew nothing about this, and we had some false starts um, with some bad vendors and engineers and that type of thing. But after about two and a half years, we had our first version of that robot, and it's been under constant revision and iteration, um, redesign. Ever I just had a meeting this morning about it, what we're going to do to fix it. But it is our point of difference in the space. Um, our handwriting is leaps and bounds better than others. We're able to build these robots faster and cheaper than we could buy them. Um, it allows us abilities like being able to do those doodles I talked about and um, yeah. custom handwriting styles. It opens up a ton of options for us that we wouldn't otherwise have. And it was a hard mountain to climb and something I didn't know I could do because I just don't have that background. So, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a real big one. Wow. David, what is the best way to connect with you for any of our listeners that would like to be in touch? Yeah, um, please visit handwritten.com, and it's H-A-N-D-W-R-Y-T-T-E-N.com, so handwritten with a Y. Um, I'm david at handwritten.com. If you're looking to email me, um, you can link in to me on LinkedIn. I'm the only David that works at Handwritten. Um, and then at handwritten for Twitter. Um, so we have a, a good Twitter following and a, all that stuff can be found on handwritten.com at the bottom. We lick, you know, we have Twitter and Facebook and YouTube channel and all the rest. Um, but I'm happy to speak to anybody, you know, uh, just email me, David at handwritten. Would love to chat. Um, if you want to give the service a try, sign up and use discount code podcast when you sign up and that'll get you $5 in credit. So you can send somebody a note. Um, and see what they think of it. So, yeah. That's fantastic. And we will have all these links in the show notes of this interview. David, I would like to thank you so much for this interview. I enjoyed it a lot. You've got a unique product. And um, I think it's interesting. And it's interesting to check it out. And uh, I hope our listeners will uh, check it out. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Hmm. It has been a pleasure and take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.